This podcast is for general information only. It is not intended as a substitute for general health care services. If you have medical conditions, you need to see your doctor. Use of this information is at the user's own risk. Welcome to FitRx with Dr. Greg Dennis. Join me as we challenge the standard sick model of healthcare. This is your source for everything health, wellness, prevention, fitness, biohacking, and more. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of FitRx. I am your host, Dr. Greg Dennis. Today, I am talking with Dr. Mark Sherwood. He is a doctor of naturopathic medicine. He's got a long list of uh, fitness accolades, former, former bodybuilder, uh, professional baseball player. He is also um, a veteran of the Tulsa Police Department. Uh, he is married to Dr. Michelle Neal Sherwood, who is an osteopathic physician who graduated from Oklahoma State University. She's a board-certified internal medicine doctor, as well as board-certified sports medicine. And she also has a uh, long list of fitness uh, accolades uh, under her belt as well. And together, they run the Functional Medicine Institute in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So excited to just hear about what they do. Uh, so, Mark, welcome to the show. Man, Greg, thanks for having me. I'm really honored to be with you today. So thank you for the opportunity. All right. Well, let's let's start. I always like just kind of getting to know the guests a little bit. And so talk about just kind of your evolution uh, in, in fitness and, and just how you you got into this this space. And um, and then we can talk more specifically about what what you and your wife do at the clinic. It has been quite a journey, to say the least. Um, probably I would begin with, um, you know, being fairly athletic, you know, college professional, of course, and have some success there and getting into the police department, and being part of the SWAT team and having to maintain some sort of a physical uh, condition, if you will, its physical shape. Um, but my last several years on the police department, I was put in charge of a wellness program that didn't exist. So I went exploring that subject matter around to various police departments around the country. And I found it was sorely lacking. And um, Greg, this uh, statistic stuck in me deeply when I discovered it, that the average age of death of the 20-year male retired police officer was 66 years of age. And that was prevalent around the country probably 50 years ago, and it maintained that same level for the next 40 years. And so I thought there's got to be something better than this. So, you know, I did my very best to initiate some good strategies to put in place to mitigate that and sort of extend life past retirement, if you will. But that got me into the, the journey, the exploration of what does life and lifestyle and what does that mean to longevity? So, Went back to school, uh, despite all my colleagues saying I was an idiot, you're too old. And so I went back to school to learn. And, and since then, it's been a whole world of just um, wonderment and awe and why and asking questions. So my wife, as you mentioned, Dr. Michelle and I uh, now get to explore that question better. So we've really been keen on determining how do we decelerate 
this rapidly aging process we have and perhaps uh, best said extend this thing called health span so that's our that's our mission we do it ourselves, and we teach other people to do that as well awesome okay um so your wife isn't able to join us today but tell us a little bit about her background and and then how she got over into this space and i'm sure that's probably probably where you two collided and then maybe we can go from there and talk about you know what y'all do at the functional medicine institute it is. My wife, Dr. Michelle Neil Sherwood, is my best friend. She's my partner. She's my love, of course. And that's the cool thing about it. We get to work together and love that. But her journey is um, has a lot of tragedy attached to it. She um, was uh, the hopeful Olympian for the Taekwondo spectator sport back in those days and had a was ranked seventh in the nation, was going along well, and then suffered a triple triad to the uh, left knee. And unfortunately, that ended her career. And she took up, um, you know, massage therapy, and she rehabbed her knee without surgery. This will blow people's minds. She did it with duct tape. No kidding. She just taped it up and let it try to heal itself. And um, she started lifting and training and was very successful in the physique industry and wellness industry as I was. Uh, eventually, um, a massage client of hers uh, noticed her studying continually the anatomy uh, books, et cetera, medical books, and gave her a head start by paying for her first semester of junior college. And at the time, believe it or not, my wife was homeless, living in her car, just trying to make ends meet. And uh, what a comeback story, because that led to a cascade of events of scholarship after scholarship and finally graduating with honors at Oklahoma State. Uh, she did actually pass her DO board and went ahead and passed the MD board exam just to see if she could. I thought that was pretty fascinating. Uh, but interestingly enough with her, um, she got into the system as an internist into one of the well-known systems <clears throat> here in our area and people started getting well. She was doing functional medicine, functional healing and people weren't returning for follow-up visits. And so she was terminated from her contract um, unceremoniously and basically kicked out, went into the uh, spin of depression. And then um, we met during that time when um, perhaps that's the way, you know, our good Lord intended it to me to come into her life at a time where she needed me and I needed her and wanted her and she wanted me. And we started the Functional Medical Institute and uh, even her story believe it or not, as I was telling you before we came on live, has been uh, made into a full screen movie called The Prayer List, which will be um, released worldwide here anytime this time period of 2021 in the late spring. And it goes to theaters, um, television, then Target Walmart, et cetera, in that order. And it's a fascinating story of a lady who overcomes and how is now able to be a beacon of hope to people. So that's kind of what we call ourselves hope dealers. And so now we get the opportunity together through Functional Medical Institute that is in Tulsa to serve of probably 8,000 people around the world. It's a very large operation and we are really blessed to have um, practitioners like yourself as friends and colleagues that can uh, work with us and we can share this message of hope for everybody. Wow. That's incredible. I can't wait to see the movie. Let me, let me go back to her. So it sounds like she started practicing functional medicine fairly early in, in her career. Where, where was she introduced to, to, to this? Yeah, so she uh, actually got her naturopathic degree before she got her osteopathy okay. degree, which is okay. interesting. So she had that background and she was certified in acupuncture, a lot of the Chinese medicine modalities. So she kind of went in with the idea uh, to be a healer, you know, to learn. And it just seemed like a natural process to add the ability to prescribe medicine. We're not anti 
medicine at all. We're, sure. you know, we're pro-medicine, of course, and used in proper ways. But what happened was that she got in the system and was, you know, I, I, I think I can say this word confidently was disillusioned mm-hmm. by, oh, my goodness, what have we done here? And truly, I mean, and this is not knocking anybody at all, Greg, this is true. A person like her and a person like me and a person like you, it, it creates a sort of discomfort in people's world that don't really do that. So there's like a, there's like a wedge that's driven there. And so, you know, you can see from a business system model, why she wouldn't fit. And you can see from this business system thing uh, from her, why it would, it wouldn't work either. So, you know, medicine, as we know now is, is a, it's a for-profit protocol driven system. We're not anti-acute care. We just really believe, and I'll, I'll say it, that the system now is extremely poor, extremely poor at representing anything called health and preventive measures. And we've seen that occur, you know, referencing the, um, the pandemic that is. We can't sort of dismiss that. I mean, no one's talking about the concept that you know, many studies have confirmed that just having a vitamin D level over 30 lowers the percentage of hospitalizations for COVID-19 to 4% or less. I, you know, why weren't we given vitamin D at the beginning? It just sounds so simple, but that didn't fit the protocol. Instead, we go down the, the ventilators and the, uh, you know, the corticosteroids and everything else. But the point is that system is not set up for wellness at all. It's set up for sickness. And, and that's why what we are doing and you're doing is so critical to give people, I think, I think that this is primary and I think that's secondary or perhaps tertiary to primary, which is primarily keeping people well. Yeah, that's great. I couldn't agree more. And that's really cool that she went in with that background and kind of with that mindset to where she probably you know, kind of question the the standard from the get go, where people like myself, I didn't really have that kind of background. And I did what what most physicians do, they just, uh, they just take what's given to us. And they, you know, we say, this is the way it's done. And we don't yeah. don't question that. And I did that, you know, people have, have heard me say this time and time again on, on my podcast, but, you know, I, I did, uh, you know, the standard of care for for many, many years. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until one day I just kind of had this epiphany and I was like, okay, people aren't getting better. I mean, I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to do that, that they tell me to do, you know, and, and, and they may even look better on paper, you know, but, but the patients were not getting better. And, mm-hmm. and that's when I kind of took a deep dive several years ago and just started changing the way that I practice. But, you know, there, there are some other physicians like me that, that do that. They just kind of have that moment and they realize that, look, this, this standard of care, you know, the way we treat chronic conditions, you know, doesn't work very well, but there's not very many. I mean, and, and so, uh, and, and it's actually one of my, the reasons I started this podcast, I just want to kind of get my message out there that, Hey, there's a, there's a better way, but that's really cool that she, you know, kind of already had that background and I sure wish I would have had that going in. So I could have questioned it from the get go, you know, rather than practice as the, as I did for, I don't know, over a decade and, and then kind of had that realization. So. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's great because a lot of people such as yourself, you go into it for the right intent, the right motives, the right heart. I mean, it's all great. Uh, But then you understand that the system is about a profitability and it's about payer mixes. It's about seeing people. It's about referrals. And for some reason, I I just think, and, and this is not knocking any person. I just think we've, 
fallen into a trap perhaps and we become protocol driven and profit driven instead of personal experience personal lives driven and and it's hard uh, as you know to step out of that some people and my wife's case was forced out of that, but it's hard to step out of it. We have a lot of physicians that come to us and they, they're crying literally for help physically and literally, but they can't get out because your lifestyle is attached there. And what are you supposed to do? You're going you're gonna to go out here and lose your salary. Yes. And then you're going to start all over and you hopefully you have some good patients that follow you. And then you transition models from maybe insurance toward cash. And, you know, and there's all of those discussions that people have. And it's a challenge, but I, I appreciate, you know, what you're saying, because people just need a push. They need a boost. They need some hope. And if you can give them a hope, like, man, I did this too. You can. Mm -hmm. It's great. Um, that sometimes is what people need. So the synergy with which you have in the FedRx podcast is great, you know, to bring a, just a fresh perspective. So I, I really appreciate that. Well, good deal. So, so you guys got together, um, and, and it sounded like only natural, you know, y'all kind of have your own clinic. And so you started the, the functional medicine Institute. Uh, when, when did you start that? How long been? We started that about, uh, it's been about nine years ago now, I guess in that nature. And it was funny. We started out just, um, well, she actually started it just ahead of me. And then I kind of joined her in that because we didn't know how awkward that would be or weird. Right. So, you know, she started it and it was just her, in a little corner office, answering your own phone calls. And, and then um, I came on board and we just kind of teamed up with it. And it just kept going and going and going. And it's been amazing because we've learned a few powerful truths. And one is this, that money and abundance and provision follows truth. If truth leads, everything else follows. And number two, there's powerful um, synergy and powerful influence in relationships. Sometimes people come and all they want to do is get heard. They want to make sure you heard them. And if you give a good uh, history, you know, experience for them, just letting them tell their story and then rephrase it back to them, that there in itself creates a dynamic of healing for someone because it's the first time perhaps in a while they've been heard and as compared to a person in a to system and it again we very carefully not knocking any person it's not I the get point it. yep. it's like someone is stuck and they're they're being pushed to see 40 people a day where we might see uh, on, a, on a big day eight but somebody might get a you know, an hour of our time. And, and I think there's just power in the relationship. So those two principles have really driven us and we've continued to learn, uh, unlearn some things, learn some new things again. And uh, it's been, it's been great, but we're always trying to do better. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's encouraging to hear too. So uh, my wife is also a physician. And so she uh, left corporate medicine about a year and a half ago, and she started uh, a cash-based practice, something called yep. Direct Primary Care, which is a, a monthly membership fee. And then we yep. we do a lot of things kind of above and beyond what most direct primary care uh, you know doctors do, such as hormone replacement and yep. you know th things like that. And then I just started uh, February first, so I left corporate medicine, and and uh, so it was a huge jump. And and so anyway, you know, encouraging to to talk to people like you and to see the success. That that you guys have had. I absolutely love the style of practice. You know, now it just needs to grow, but the the fact mm -hmm. that I can now spend an hour with somebody yeah. uh, and, and, you know, it takes time to get people well. And, and when you're in the system and, and you're just spinning on your wheels and, you know, you have five minutes to spend 
with somebody, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's difficult, but uh, yes. anyway, uh, yeah, it's, it's encouraging to, to hear, you know, you, you guys success. So, so, well, I, I think without question, um, any physician that's listening to this podcast right now needs to have a belief level and a hope level that's high because um, there's no way we're going to have enough to meet the need if people don't step out and do it. I mean, that's such an opportunity right now, such a wonderful time in history right now to be um, really what we're all called to be is be an agent of healing. So it's 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 the it's the time now, and obviously taking that first step is the most difficult. But after you start to see lives get healed, that is the driving force that keeps one going, right? For sure, yeah. You know, the more I learn about all this, the more I realize that I really wasn't a fit for corporate medicine anymore. Uh, and, and many people have, have heard me say on this podcast that you know, in the last few years, it, it really kind of rejuvenated my career mm-hmm. um, because I realized I can actually make people better. I mean, I, I wasn't making people yeah. better, just throwing medications at them. And, mm-hmm. and just like you said, I mean, I'm not anti-medication, but, but, but now I've realized I can actually reverse disease. And so anyways, it's, it's really just kind of rejuvenated my career. And, mm-hmm. and now I'm excited to go to work and excited to <laughs> talk to people. So anyway, it's, it's a cool thing. Um, so, so tell me, cause I don't, uh, I don't think I have even done this on my podcast yet, but define for us what is functional medicine. So I think there's probably two different definitions that people need to be aware of. Um, this is just a personal experience opinion after all this time doing it. I don't as much, I'm not a fan of the term functional medicine as much as I was. I like functional healing. I think that's a little bit better. Well, functional medicine is really an approach that is defined as instead of looking for just symptoms of disease that we would treat from a pharmacological modality, you know, if somebody has pain, let's turn off the pain, you know, et cetera. That's an example. Functional medicine sort of goes upstream and looks for the whys. Why do they have pain? And I, I use this analogy a lot, and I think it'll be a very good picture for both clinicians and non-clinicians listening uh, as a dam that it has a river below it. And then above the dam is the reservoir. Uh, But the river would represent life. And as the river comes up, perhaps a little bit too high, flooding into someone's house, we would throw a sandbag at it. Sandbag's not bad because it would hold the water at bay a little bit. But if the water came up higher, we would throw another sandbag. That would be a picture of traditional symptomatology, uh, diagnostic-oriented medicine processes and procedures. Functional medicine does not dismiss that, but functional medicine adds to that in the sense it goes back upstream and it answers the question, well, why is the water coming up? And why is the dam, in in this analogy, in our perception and definition, the dam would be like our genetics, our individual unique uh, characteristics, and the way we process the reservoir coming in from upstream. So the upstream things would be things such as lifestyle. Some we control, some we don't, but it's how the body processes that epigenetic response or that epigenetic conversation and then lets out the water. And we would call that genetic um, response. And in that analogy, functional medicine goes as far upstream as possible to determine the whys, thereby correcting the whys, thereby eliminating the symptoms 
therefore making diseases not a relevant topic anymore because we're eliminating the cause of disease, right? And so that analogy is, is pretty clear. And so we, we like to consider ourselves as, as functional healers. So in one respect, what we don't want to do with functional medicine, uh, Greg, is simply uh, just switch out the idea of what I just said of downstream water coming up medicine to water coming up supplement. I see that a lot. And I, I tell the clinicians, don't do that. It might be safer. It might be better, but that's exchanging pharmacy for polypharmacy or policy, pharmacy for green pharmacy. Um, so if you, and, and that's even switching out the conventional testing to really cool diagnostic functional oriented tests, you know, we've got to really still answer the question, why is this happening? And that's not just done with testing. That's done with the relationship that you're talking about. So, you know, I, I think that is a good way to look at both definitions and sort of merge them together and then explains our preference to sort of consider it functional healing. So um, I'd like to get into maybe a little bit uh, about what y'all do there. Um, mm -hmm. So you kind of define functional medicine or functional healing. So walk us through, so a patient comes in and I was just looking on your website, a lot of the services you have, and you have something called Prime Lifestyle Program. Mm -hmm. um, so, so just kind of talk about what that is. And, and again, if a patient comes in, you, you know, just walk us through what patient is going to experience uh, coming to your clinic. Right. So with Prime Lifestyle Program, we just consider Prime Lifestyle's best lifestyle, the best life for the individual person. Somebody could, you know, make any you could call it primo lifestyle or optimum lifestyle, whatever, but that's just a term we use. There are seven pillars to what we focus on, and those pillars would be as follows. Uh, nutrition, uh, sleep, stress management, movement, genetics. We do a lot of bioidentical hormones, and we do peptides. So those seven things we're going to optimize with everyone. So when someone comes in, you know, the, the ideal client or community person is, is really anyone that says, I want my best life. You don't have to be sick. You could be having some kind of diseases, but I want my best life. And we're going to use those seven pillars and optimize those seven pillars so that the, as you mentioned earlier, any disease process that may be happening, we can resolve those as soon as possible, as much as possible, and even perhaps see deprescription of medications that are unnecessary rather than just continuing to perpetuate that. So, you know, we, really look at it from that individual purposes. So a prime lifestyle, we develop plans that are specific, personalized, individualized, based upon the person sitting in front of us. So we, we like to have people in a, in the idea, it's much like the model that your wife is doing where there's a, there's a kind of subscription base, but ours is kind of a unique uh, situation. It's not a subscription base as much as it is a plan. So we structure a plan for the person based upon where they are, how they are, what they are, their desire, you know, their want to's, their readiness, et cetera, um, abilities to, and we structure that plan and we get them into a term and we execute that plan a step-by-step -step basis. And many times with that said, it'll resort in them having, you know, sort of this concept of a, a monthly payment, but really it's just, it's kind of paying for the plan as you go. Gotcha. So who, who kind of seeks you out? Is it more people that are pretty sick, maybe that they're, that are on a lot of medicines and, and they are just kind of tired of, of the traditional kind of medical, you know, system, mm -hmm. or are they people that 
you know, or maybe already pretty healthy and they want to optimize their health mm-hmm. with peptides or, you know, hormones or whatever, or a little bit of everything. Who, who's a, a typical patient that you guys see? I think it's probably more the person who has um, experienced being at the end of the rope. I've tried everything and here I am. So that's, that's the kind of person uh, they tend to fit you know, kind of our age group, you know, we're up our fifties now. And, uh, like, yeah, I believe it really kind of said that many go, wow. But, um, <laughs> you know, that group is, you know, the, the, the 35 to 65 group that just really, um, is, is a little frustrated. We get a lot of that. And, but in that group, you get both of those concepts of who you just mentioned, you get the person who's generally pretty healthy, but wants to age well, and within that group, you get people that are start experiencing breakdown in their in their metabolic issues, uh, their resiliency, uh, both immunologically and even endocrinology wise. And so we get that group. I think that probably represents 85 percent. Then we get a small group, believe it or not, of these um, real high level athletes that are, you know, college professional that will will come in and just really want to tweak out and optimize all performance metrics in their in their sport. Gotcha. So everybody that comes in, I noticed that y'all do um, DNA testing for, mm-hmm. uh, for, for fitness and nutrition and stuff. So does, does everyone get that that comes in or, or is that just an option? How, how does that work? We like to because genetics for us are not about looking at things that are wrong. We think the genes are outstanding. We, we look at them like the standpoint of I want to know where to look, where vulnerabilities may be. And back to the analogy I used earlier, the dam analogy, you know, everybody's dam. I call them the damn genes. Everybody's dam works a little bit differently in the way it sort of interacts with the environment. And as we would all know, the terms like lipid metabolism, methylation, inflammation, detoxification, oxidative stress, insulin sensitivity, these are all different for people. That's why one size doesn't fit all. So, you know, people want to find out how to, you know, optimize exercise, optimize fat loss, optimize muscle retention. That is all in what I call actionable genes. So we can look at the whole genome, which, okay, gives you some information, i.e. the 23andMe concept, or you can pull out the genes that have the SNPs that have actionable metrics behind them. And those are going to be prevalent. They're going to be well-researched, peer-reviewed, uh, using people, not rats or animals, et cetera. And you're able to change the expression of the genes. So we have a hand-picked segment of these single nucleotide polymorphism segments. Um, and we run, there's probably uh, 150 of those things that we go through that we found relevant everyone's probably heard of the MTHFR. Well, it's not just that. We look at four or five that are around there because that's an element that is over-translated in the functional medicine realm and under-understood in the functional medicine realm. So that's just one example. So genes give us sort of this, um, this metric of clue to determine where we might want to go and what we want to look at as far as the water coming up downstream and flooding the house in our analogy. So from a, uh, if I'm a patient and I'm hearing all that, I'm going to say, yeah, all that sounds really cool, but it sounds really expensive. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, so how does, how does that work? Does insurance ever pay for, for any of that or how does that work? Great question because um, you know, insurance needs to be looked at in a different way. We all need insurance, but let's don't call it health insurance because that's not what it is. It's sick insurance and sick insurance is to take care of us. If we have an accident or something happens that we don't expect, I have it, we have it, it's good. Now, insurance can be used 
in certain situations, and we've kind of figured it out in some um, serum blood work, right? If we can use insurance, we will. But we also know what insurance bills or the labs bill the insurance company in the same in the same realm. So we would take a lab and we negotiate with the lab. We do this hardcore negotiation cash. What does it cost me, uh, you know, Dr. Dennis, to do this lab? What does that cost? What comes out of my pocket? What's my hard cost? That's very important to understand for any clinician going into this space. You need to know that concept of hard cost. If you don't, you're missing it right there. So we, we, we give that. And then we also know exactly what that lab is going to bill an insurance company. And let's just use an, an example. Uh, let's say a lab cost um, 300 bucks cash, right? And let's say we know that lab costs the, uh, the, the lab's going to bill the insurance company $2,000. And that's not unusual at all, as we know, right? Then we will tell the patient that. We'll just be honest with them. And we charge them, if they want to pay cash, we charge them exactly dollar for dollar while we pay for it. Because we want them to have the ability to have the best of all worlds without having to get, you know, upcharged or in that situation. So we're very honest about that. We tell people what they need. Uh, we tell people what we want to do. And it's a mutual decision on what they can afford. So I, I would say that we, everybody can really work with us that have a desire to do better like that based upon uh, budget, lifestyle, cultures, everybody's in different spots. And so it, it, even though that wasn't a direct answer, those things need to be understood. Now with genetics, you always keep that separate from insurance, always, because we don't know at this point what um, that means exactly long-term. So we keep their genetics uh, just between us and them. Don't put it in the medical chart because we use it, but I'm not going to put it in the medical chart because I don't want insurance companies to have that. If a person can use insurance in blood labs, we tell them they can, and we're honest with them. If they want to take a chance, they can, um, but they all need to know the ability to use cash pay and they all need to know that like HSA and FSA accounts work very well. Yeah, we do the uh, same type of thing at our clinic. Um, you know, the, the labs give us, it's a, I believe it's an 80% discount, you know, mm -hmm. on, on standard labs. And so, yeah, I have the same discussion with patients. If, you know, they, they go through us, they can get it for really cheap. It's, it's amazing since I've gotten into this space, realize, and you take all the middle people out of it and that's basically you know, what direct primary care is, yeah. is you take all the middle people out, it's just a relationship, you know, between the patient and the doctor, but just how cheap you can get things, whether that's, that's a, right, that's an MRI, you know, a blood, you know, whatever. So yeah, it sounds yeah. like uh, y'all do similar to what we do. So when, a, when a patient, um, so I guess you and your wife see your own individual patients, or is it kind of a collaborative effort? How, how does that work? Everything's collaborative. Okay. Uh, we have a unique system where we share notation systems. Our EMR system is set up like that, where we're seeing live, real-time uh, notes, et cetera. So it's a team effort. Uh, that's one of the things that I want people to understand when they're a part of our lives is you're not just getting two eyes, you're getting multiple eyes, multiple brains, multiple thoughts, and then we're going to share those with you. So when we discuss things with people, it's a collaborative effort. Whether someone sees me or sees my wife, it it doesn't matter. Uh, we same patient community person would see us both and we have talked we do talk and uh, I think people appreciate that I think they they love that they love the couple idea a lot and uh, they they like the teamwork aspect 
Interesting. Okay. So if a, if a patient comes in, say they see you first and then, uh, are they going to continue to follow up with you every couple of weeks, every month or, or whatever, or, or is it possible for them to see you the first time, maybe see your wife the, the next time? Yeah. Both situations are, uh, potentially true. Um, okay. the follow-up is determined about how much follow-up they need. Some people, you know, you give them their marching orders or give them a plan and they're like, I'm on it. And then some people on their hand, you know, need that encouragement. So we have health coaches, of course, on board that will call them and be proactive and see how they're doing that. The health coach role is really one that I feel is very important in functional medicine, functional healing, how you define that, because there needs to be this idea of team, this idea of community, this idea of health, this idea of support, accountability, however we want to word that. And so, you know, even though we as physicians uh, might not want to call ourselves coaches. We really are too, because we're cheering them on, encouraging them. So we have health coaches, but there's times where, you know, in the whole thing, and I'll call somebody and my wife will call somebody just to do those calls too, because we want them to know we care about them. And so if someone needs that, we'll structure it in there. And if they don't, it's okay too. We'll structure it in there. Some people prefer a call. Some people prefer a text. Some people prefer an email. Some people prefer just face to face. Uh, so we just try to meet them where they are. Um, another thing you have on your services, I notice is uh, prolotherapy for pain relief. Uh, talk about what, what is prolotherapy? Well, prolotherapy is a unique uh, osteopathic modality where we're going to use a needle to sort of go into the capsule of a joint, for example, and we're going to use the needle with a little saline to sort of uh, agitate, if you will, the base of those ligatures or the base of those, um, those tendons where the growth takes place. So what happens is for like a, a subluxation for a spine where it gets a little bit out of alignment, we go to the chiropractor and the chiropractor adjusts it. We're hoping that that adjustment will hold because we want those ligatures and those muscles to eventually conform to the, uh, more optimal or more normal alignment fixture. And they don't over time. And we're like puzzled by that. The more we do it, of course, the more that works. That's why chiropractic is extremely awesome for that. But you can take prolotherapy and you can sort of inject it right there at those facets around those spinal columns. And you can actually have growth factors initiated and get those things to cinch back up or tighten back up. So you can alleviate a lot of surgical, perhaps thoughts, or considerations with prolotherapy. We've used it with uh, spine, shoulders, knees, elbows, wrists, and um, I have done it, had it done on me three times. I had a annular tear at L3, L4 and a bad deal. Um, no surgery, man, I feel great with one treatment and I do it prophylactically after this once a year, but it's a, it's a great modality. It's often forgot about and underutilized for sure. Um, and also on your website, you have the shape reclaimed. Uh, is that just your, your weight loss management or what is that? Yeah, we use it. Um, it is a program that's sort of a kind of a can program out of a chiropractic uh, doctor who's a friend of ours at the St. Louis, Missouri. Um, and we use it in a different way. Uh, we use it as an anti-inflammatory protocol. The, uh, the, the foods are listed there for you. We do not put people on diets. We never tell them things like, okay, you only get one of these, two of these, three of these. We give them a large list of foods because I find that adjusting lifestyle is easier when you start talking about abundance versus restriction. And then we do use homeopathy with that. I love that formula that they've created. 
is shape-proclaimed homeopathy, and it acts and mimics much like the HCG, um, the human chorionic gonadotrophin does, but we don't restrict calories and make it that 500 calorie diet like that. So it's sort of, that program is mimicked after Dr. Simeon and some of his thoughts and protocols, but we morph it with the company's permission, of course, we morph it to meet our needs and our desires. And it has been a, it's been a blessing because they actually have a website support, you know, Facebook, and it's created for someone already. So it's a nice thing for functional medicine people to get into and have a plan of nutrition that makes sense and does work literally for everybody. Very good. So you guys have been doing this for a pretty good while. Um, and I'm sure you, you've got some amazing stories of, yeah. of transformations of patients. Give us, give us one or two that just kind of stand out in your mind of, of just transforming somebody's life. I'll give you two, one male, one female. Let's start with the female first. Um, she comes into our clinic um, and here we are at current time of recording this one in March. This would have been back in um, November, October, late October, early November. So she comes in, she is uh, about seven months removed from um, becoming a widow. Um, tough situation, tough deal. Hemoglobin A1C was running high teens, uh, horrendous hypertension, um, heart disease, blaring all the classic signs, had not had an event at all, multiple medications. We're talking, I think it was more than five. We've seen it all before, just at the end of a rope. I mean, just horribly thin a rope. Uh, the interesting thing about her, Greg, is she was not horrifically overweight like some type two diabetic-ish people would be. So she probably had, you know, 40 pounds to lose, but her percent body fat on our, you know, bioimpedance measurements was near 40%. So of course she was sarcopenic obese is what we're talking about and all those medications. So we put on a program and as recently as about, I think I saw her two weeks ago, her body fat percentage was 22%. She's off all medications. Her hemoglobin A1C is 5.6. She is a different person. It's, it's crazy. Her clinician who's treating her was absolutely amazed and probably will become a, a part of our clientele soon. And she's been just a heavy inspiration. Now that's her. Another guy uh, comes in. His, he came in October 20th of 2020. Uh, he's a well-known uh, minister. So he's on the stage of a mega church and he is morbidly obese, feeling miserable, sweating profusely, you know, sweating through his, you know, probably $500 shirt, you know, that kind of thing, Right. He is on high blood pressure medication. He's told he has an acute kidney disease phenomenon going on, and he is hopeless. 350 pounds, just horrible. Comes in begging for help. We put him on a program, and as of about two weeks ago, he's down 70 pounds, um, no medications, feeling great, blood work, biomarkers are normal. I would consider him still uh, obese. He knows he's still on this pathway. He's still probably got I would estimate 40 pounds of fat to lose. But um, the key thing about him in his 70 pound ish transformation in that little window of time is he has put on eight pounds of lean body mass, eight pounds of lean body mass. And he's lost, of course, well over 70 pounds of just excess adipose tissue. Couldn't be happier for those two people that, you know, those are two testimonials that come to mind. But those are common, right? Those are common in the functional medicine space. And that's something that 
people that are listening to grab a hold of, man, you know, find your own functional medicine practitioner, get your hope meter up there and, and get well for Pete's sake. Yeah, that's great. And that, that probably keeps you going, you know, keeps you going to work and, and that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, I can say from personal experience and, and I've, uh, you know, I hadn't been doing this as long, but I've had, you know, a couple of stories like that, but I never had those kind of stories when I was just giving people medication and in, you know, they, they come in, they're diabetic and their blood sugar is a little higher. And I did like everybody else. Okay. Well, here's another medication. Okay. Well, your blood sugar is still high. Here's another medication. Mm -hmm. Um, but I never had any of those radical transformations until, you know, I just started changing my mindset, focusing on diet, lifestyle, you know, all the stuff you guys do. So, um, so let me ask you this. I'm curious, uh, cause I saw that your wife is also, uh, certified in age management medicine or A4M, um, mm-hmm. as I am. Yep. And I'm sure there's some overlap between that and functional medicine as far as just the perspective and, and how you, you look at things, but what would you say is the difference in kind of the anti-aging medicine versus the functional medicine kind of training and stuff? Yeah. So we've been certified in, of course, IFM, A4M, AMMG, WorldLink. So we've, we've both been through all those programs, but the, there's a, a, a polar difference in some of them. So like, for example, IFM is not really going to, they're going to talk about functional tests, you know, all their different um, metrics of the IFM living matrix model and all that, uh, you know, looking for these things, but they're, they're really not pro um, hormone. Right. They talk about it, but they're not like pro hormone. Um, they, they talk about elimination diets and adding it back in. Um, again, that's so, you know, again, when you find something that's not good for you, why add it back in? That's the point, you know. Right. So they, they're a little bit of a larger. I would consider them a uh, everybody's included type thing. Everybody's included. Everybody's going to get better. Uh, we're not talking about just a small segment of a population being often. We're talking about getting people better. And great. Awesome. Then there's A4M and AMMG, which are very similar in the sense that they do promote hormones, Mm -hmm. right? They really do. They promote more of the uh, age management or age. uh, They used to call it like like an age reversal, but you can't do that, obviously. But, you know, so they would be more pro-hormone and more um, hardcore, if you will, on nutrition and things like that. You know, they're more like, man, you got to pull this out. This is just not good. You just get this out of there and work with your people to do that. Um, then you get into world link, which is, um, which is really all hormones, you know, optimizing thyroid and optimizing all of the sex steroid hormones. So yeah, I think that people need to really have a well-rounded education in all those areas and then take the best of all worlds and put them out there, whatever fits your personality. And the thing that I would say, Greg, to any clinician that's going through this is that um, do it yourself. It's got to be real in your life, man. It's got to be real right here. And you got to look the part. You got to be the part because it becomes believable at that point if you do it. And a lot of times we jump out in a system and we go over here to do this functional medicine because it's, it's right. We know it's right, but we have to do it on ourselves first. We have to live it, look it, be it, and that in itself will build the belief structure and will build any clientele for anybody because there's a lot of people out here need help. So, you know, I I think with that said, just do all of them as you can. Become a lifetime student and never stop learning. Yeah, very good. Okay, well, um, so anything else uh, just that I didn't ask that that you want to say just about your clinic or about what you guys do? Well, I think, you know, we're – 
everybody's different. I mean, our personality is such that we are what we are. Our, our passion, and people need to know that, is we do it. Um, everything that we tell people to do, we're doing it ourselves and to, to the max. So, you know, that's important. So that's our passion. And our purpose is simply teaching other people to do it. Um, we, we take no credit for that. We, it's, it's easy when you're living out your passion and your purpose is tied to that. And um, just, we've been really blessed to, you know, have some books and make some movies and uh, have a good media platform. And, uh, that's the future, man. It's how we touch lives. And I'm just grateful that, uh, you know, you're in our life right now at this point, so we can all share the wealth, share the health and share the hope. Well, uh, so I always end my podcast by asking my guests to give us uh, one health tip that can make us healthier today. Mm -hmm. And it could be anything. Uh, what would you say to that? Believe it or not, I would talk about the idea of stress management Stop living in fear, limit social media, watch your belief systems. Fear crushes the systems, anxiety crushes the systems. So whatever you do, take 10 minutes at least during a daytime to get quiet, shut it off, don't talk to anybody, just listen, work on breathing, work on meditation, work on prayer, whatever you call that. Just get quiet and disconnect because if you stay connected to that, that fear I think strongly is the greatest pandemic that's spreading around the world right now. So, you know, that's the tip. 10 minutes of quiet every day. No dog, no radio, no phone, no people, no husband, no wife, no kids. Get your second hand out on your watch and just watch that thing go around. 10 times. And I think you'll have a good day. Yeah. Great advice. Uh, yeah. People have heard it on here before, but chronically high levels of cortisol is yeah. a killer and, and you can, you can do everything else. Right. But if your cortisol level stays high, man, you're just not going to, you're not going to optimize your health. And so that's great. Advice. That's right. No, I was just studying on some of that this morning about cortisol and how it just, uh, just crushes the system from a systemic standpoint. It's hyper elevated. No doubt. Well, okay. Um, so Dr. Mark Sherwood, uh, and then your wife is Dr. Michelle Neal Sherwood, and yeah. uh, you guys are at the Functional Medicine Institute in Tulsa, website fmidr.com. Is that correct? Yeah, you can use that website, or an easier one is just sherwood.tv, sherwood.tv. That's our personal website. Everything connects through there, and people can you know, find out about us because you, you need to know who you're going to go see and who you're going to check out. So you can stalk us there at sherwood.tv. Okay. Well, very good. Uh, well, we really appreciate your time. Uh, and guys, uh, appreciate you listening. And we will uh, talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to FitRx. I invite you to share this with friends and family. If you would like, you can check out our website at vibrantlifedc.com or you can email me at drgreg at vibrantlifedc.com.